a model of how we should live, right? Or an example that we want to follow. And you can find role models everywhere. Um, you can find role models that are athletes. And they, because they have good work ethic, because they, they respond well when disaster happens, uh, when, when they get an unfair call at a game, they say, I'm going to have a good attitude anyway. There's a guy by the name of Mike Trout. He plays baseball for the Angels. And I think of this guy as a good role model. I don't always watch him or read about him, but I've never seen anything about him that makes me think this guy is not a classy guy. He just seems to always have a good attitude. And, and when things go bad, if he gets hit by a pitch, he still responds well. Uh, you can find uh, role models that are historical, great leaders who have, who have protected our nations, who have led us through great tragedies or dealt with tough ec economic issues. A guy by the name of Abraham Lincoln is a good example of perseverance a good role model of what that takes because he got tried to get into office as a president and as these other political positions and he tried and he tried and he tried and he failed and he failed but ultimately he arrived at uh, to become the president. You can find good role models that are teachers. Teachers who are dedicated, who work year after year with good kids and bad kids and frustrating kids. Uh, what teachers come to mind? Okay, Mrs. Wegman, we got Nicole, we think of Mrs. Benner, right? That have been there for years upon years, and you say, I hope my kid learns to be like this teacher. You can even find role models that are family members, and it can't be mothers and fathers, it can't be uncles and aunts, it can't be cousins. My, when I was a kid, my role model was my twin brother, and I think I, I might have told you this before, but... I remember uh, hanging out, it was about probably the fifth or sixth grade, hanging out with another preacher's kid. So there's three of us and then some other random boy, and we were huddled under a tree in the rain, and this other preacher's kid had a pipe, and he was taking leaves off his tree, and he's putting them in the pipe and lighting it on uh, to smoke it. Well, guess what I would have done? I would have done this, sucking on tree leaves, had my brother not been there. That's the kind of kid it was. But it, so my brother, if he did not do it, I wouldn't do it. But if he would did it, I would fall him off the end of the cliff because he was just that kind of person in my life. He was a role model. And we can easily pick any one of these people to be a role model uh, as the kind of people that we would strive to be like or that we want our kids to strive to be like. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at, this week and next week, we're going to be looking at two examples of a good spiritual role model. And we're going to be looking at what qualities made up, uh, made Timothy a good role model this week, and the following week, what makes Epaphroditus a good spiritual role model as well. So we're going to be looking in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24. I'd like to read through that, uh, those five verses or so before we look into what are these good spiritual role models model qualities that Timothy demonstrated. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24. says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For we all seek their own, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know that his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come to you shortly. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you for these words that we find in Philippians chapter 2. I thank you for the role model that Timothy was. And I even think about this guy because he, he didn't know he was being a role model 2,000 years later. He's gonna, he didn't know he was going to be demonstrating these qualities that we in Plevna would be uh, reading about today. God, I just pray that you would help us to understand what these qualities are. And please help us to demonstrate these qualities uh, in the lives that we live as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Timothy, he, we look, we're going to look at four different qualities that he demonstrated. The first quality, what we find in verse 20, it says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your, as your state. So first thing was, Timothy was genuine in concern. He genuinely, he sincerely cared for others. He, he had pure motives. He had no pretense. He wasn't trying to make it look like he cared when he really didn't. He just genuinely cared about these other people. And that's, he, that's what he had for this Philippian church. Now the church, I mean the, the book obviously doesn't say how he demonstrated this genuine concern for the Philippian church. It just says that he did. But we, it's safe to say that he was concerned about their spiritual well-being. You know, Timothy has been with Paul for a long time. He was with Paul when he first met the church in Philippi. And he, he knows what's going on in this, this letter. He knows that Paul's writing about the disunity that's been in this church. The church was really good at showing Paul all the love, but it wasn't doing so hot with showing this to each other. So Timothy, he knows this, and he has concern about how this church is, is growing spiritually. He knows that uh, in chapter 4, verse 2, he knows that there are people who are not getting along. When Paul says, I implore Yodia and Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord, he knows that this church is struggling. So he, he cares about them in this sort of way. He cares about their spiritual growth and maturity. I'm sure he knows that there are people who have new baby Christians he's heard stories about, and he's concerned about how they're growing spiritually. He says, I remember. He probably knows the Philippian jailer and says, I know where he's been. I know what he's had to go through over the past years, and so I care about where this church is at spiritually. The people who are growing in the Lord, the people who are struggling to keep the faith because of what they've gone through. But I think Timothy also just cares about them personally. He cares about their family life, who's living, who's dying, who's struggling with, with illnesses, who's got kids that are going off on the wrong path, uh, everyday issues of life. Timothy just genuinely cared about these people. And that's, that's the first quality we're looking at. It's just someone who genuinely con is concerned about others. And that's the same quality, uh, spiritual quality, that we should be demonstrating, that we should be able to see in each other. You know, about 17 to 17 and a half years ago, I was going to Spokane, uh, Moody Bible in Spokane. And while I was attending Bible classes there, I came across this really hot chick. Really hot, you know. And uh, I, so I thought, well, I'm just going to do something about this. And I decided I'm going to marry her. And so we, we did uh, about 16 and a half years ago, Leslie and I got married. And you know, the, the funny thing is about was when you marry somebody, especially after the, the amount of time we knew each other, which really wasn't that long, you get surprises about what people are really like. Uh, I've, I've told people before that I was really blessed with the fact that she could cook because I had no idea if she could cook or not, which is really off topic. Um, but um, the idea is you just don't know what you're going to get. Well, one of the things that Leslie has demonstrated extremely well in this 16 and a half years that we've been married is how she just genuinely cares for other people. And I think it's one of those things that just comes naturally for her. Um, time and time again, she's demonstrated this. I remember in her second apartment, uh, we had this neighbor. She was 70-ish years old. And 
two or three, four times a week, we would talk with her. She'd come over to our apartment. We would go over there, and she would have a one-sided conversation for three hours. And for three hours, she would tell us the same stories that we'd heard in the past. She would tell us uh, about her shopping trip to the thrift store, and she'd show us what she bought because she just absolutely loved thrift stores. She'd tell us about her job and about her day. Uh, and after, after like two hours, I'm like, I'm gone. I'm like, I'm sitting here. I, cannot, I can't bear this anymore. But she genuinely cared. And she would sit there, and she would listen, and she would try to input into this relationship as much as she could day in and day out. And when this gal uh, moved from her apartment to a house, Leslie was five months pregnant or six months pregnant, and it's just me and her and the 70-year-old woman who are working to get her stuff loaded up into this U-Haul and, and to get her moved on. Uh, but the thing was, Leslie just cared genuinely about this gal. Uh, she, she invited her to the Christmas play, and this gal was someone who like, really wanted nothing to do with God. But she was like, I'm going to invite her anyway. When she was, this gal was on her deathbed, miraculously, God got us there uh, in order to share the gospel with her. But Leslie's the kind of person who's willing to, to, to get into confrontation. She's willing to give godly advice. She's willing to drop whatever it is that she's doing in order to help people, in order to be involved in the conversation. Uh, I struggle with that. Uh, Wednesday, I went... Uh, I went golfing with Bruce and Lamar and Jason Overlander. And me and Jason, we, hu we huffed it for three hours. Uh, and then uh, if you want to know the scores, you can ask Lamar. He did the best. Um, but anyway, we, we went golfing. And then we came home. I got the Awana stuff set up and then putting stuff away. And by the time Awana's done, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm ready. I can go to sleep at the moment. Well, we ended up talking to some neighbors um, across the street for for like a half an hour, like 40 minutes, until finally I say, I'm done. But she's willing to get into these conversations because she wants to, she cares about people. She really wants to, to lead them to the Lord. But that's the kind of person that she is, and that's the kind of person genuine concern people do. And we need to be the kind of person who's willing to do that and not be the kind of person that people look and say, uh, that person obviously doesn't care. So how do we do this? Well, one way is we, we listen. When somebody's talking, hopefully it's not three hours. I don't think many people have that kind of attention span. Uh, but we, we, we need to listen. We need to try to not be distracted. We need to be focused. We don't need to be the person who's going to avoid those situations at all costs. When someone's going through a tough time, we can pray for them. We can pray with them. We can check in with them to see how they're doing. Like we actually really care. Uh, we can assist somebody or help somebody through the tough situa situation of life that they're actually going through. What's the opposite of genuinely caring for somebody? It's zoning out when someone's talking to them. It's being constantly distracted by whatever else is going on. It's avoiding the person at all costs. Uh, some people aren't real genuine when they, they talk to people. Some, you ever know anybody who's sitting there listening? They'll come to you because they want all the juicy information, but that's it. They don't offer any advice. They don't have any input that they want to give. All they want to do is get the information and then they leave. Um, I've, I've, I've known people like that. When I worked making dentures for about six months, there was this gal who'd always come into the office. And even after the fact, after she quit, she was always coming in because she just wanted the gossip. She just wanted to be the up-to-date uh, situation, but she didn't care. She didn't genuinely care. She just wanted uh, the, the scoop of what's going on. 
Now, maybe you're like, I don't really genuinely care about people. I don't want to sit there for three hours. I don't, I struggle with people. I don't really like this person. I understand that because not everybody jives and likes everybody. Not everybody has this huge attention span or the time to, to sit and listen to somebody. So I say, you know what? What you should do is pray and say, you know what, God? I cannot listen to this person this long. I struggle to genuinely care. I don't like this person. And I just tell God because he already knows. He already knows if you're distracted. He already knows if you don't care. But he can help you to genuinely care about other people. It sounds like the, the exception to me. People who genuinely care sounds like the exception. But it should really be the norm for us as Christians. So the first quality is as Christians, Timothy demonstrated this, this, um, this quality, I guess for lack of a better word, of genuinely caring. The second thing he demonstrated was that he was seeking the things of Christ. And what he was doing was he was looking through the lens of how does this impact eternity? How does, what does God want me to do in this situation? What difference is this going to make? Timothy was all about the cause of Christ. Timothy traveled with Paul as a missionary. He saw firsthand when Paul and Silas were placed in the Philippian jail after getting treated unfairly and they're getting beaten and put in prison. Timothy is a new follower I mean, of, Timothy, of Paul. He's traveling with him on a new missionary journey and he's watching all this and he says, I'm going to do this anyway. Timothy in his life became the pastor in Ephesus and he had to deal with difficult people uh, that were dealing with false doctrine. And he was supposed to command and teach them to stop doing this. You find out in Hebrews 13, 23, that Timothy even found himself in prison. You know, it's bad enough to know other people are going through this, but Timothy, who's all about the gospel, he says, that's where it's going to lead me. He says, I'm going to go there as well. And I'm sure as a youth, you know, Timothy, because uh, Paul talks about in, in 1 Timothy about the faith that was in his grandmother and in his mother, and that Paul was confident lived in Timothy. And it, it talks about in Acts chapter 16 how Timothy had this good reputation with these other cities from a youth. He had these, this good reputation. And I don't know how many, uh, his, his parents, his mother was a Jewish. She was, she was saved. I'm sure she was excited. Yes, Timothy, I hate to leave you, but you're going to do this work for the Lord. Go ahead and go. You have my blessing. I, I hope you do well. I hope you survive. But his father was a Greek. It doesn't say that he was saved. It doesn't say that he was in the picture. Perhaps dad was like, I'm disappointed in my son. Perhaps dad was disgusted that his son was going to go give up the family business. He was going to go give up what he could have made his life become to go with Paul to do that missionary work to reach those other people. But Timothy said, I'm all about the gospel. Timothy was seeking the things of Christ. He says, I'm going to go. Now, I don't know what you know about Timothy. If you think that this guy just got out there, was excited and energetic and was uh, completely confident about doing that. Uh, but in, in, one of the, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says that Timothy was afraid. He was timid. He was scared. And you know what's the great thing about Timothy? Even though he was afraid, he was scared, he says, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm all about the gospel. I'm going to get out there because this is what really matters. It's going to hurt me. It's going to cause me problems. It's probably going to cause rejection. I'm not going to give to live my life, however, I think fit. Um, but he says I'm going to go as well. You know, Pastor Don, you know, I never really knew him. I, I met him 
on Skype a couple of times, you know, and that's, that's kind of a fun conversation. We talked on the phone once or twice, but after that, once I got this job here, that was it. I didn't have really any communication with them, which was something that he told me that he tried not to do with the new pastor. When, when he left, he didn't want to talk to the, to the old guy. I'm not sure why that it was, but it was just he didn't want to um, interfere, I think. He just said, it's your baby now. You, you do it. And so I really didn't get to discuss with them much about anything in life. But what I, what I think about Pastor Don was he was a guy who was all in on the gospel. Because when I met him, he, I think he was 77, 78 years old. And what are, what are most people doing at that age? Well, if you're lucky to be alive, right, not many people are going to be doing what he did. He was, he was still interning at a church. He was here for about two years. He started a Kids Awana program. How many people remember hearing that Pastor Don was on the basement floor playing games with the Cubbies? Right? At like 70-something, 77 years old. That's, not, that's unheard of. And then he, he was a lawyer. You know, you make a lot more money being a lawyer than an intern pastor, I'm sure. Uh, but he says, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And even when he left here to go do the lawyer thing, I heard that he was still, he went to another church because he's all about the gospel. He's all about the things of Christ instead of what he wanted. And even one of the, the, the most awesome things about him, when he was under hospice care, when he was on his deathbed, what was he doing? He wasn't flipping channels. He wasn't crying the blues. He wasn't thinking, boy, I sure wish I would have got on that cruise and went and saw the seven wonders of the world. He was witnessing to the nurses. Like with Paul, when Paul was in prison, he says, this is an opportunity to to present the gospel. That's what Pastor Don was doing. He says, this is another opportunity to present the gospel. And I don't know what his childhood was like. All I know is from age 77 to like 82, that that was his mission. That was his goal was to seek the things of Christ. And that's it's definitely a huge encouragement to me. I'm 40 years old. Hopefully, I got, if I got 40 more years left in this tank, I'm willing to spend every moment seeking the things of Christ, however that looks in my life. He's, he's not going to know the kind of impact that he could have made uh, on my life uh, because he's up in heaven. And now he's, like the uh, email said, he's, he's got a new body He's excited. He's with those uh, who knew the Lord before him. He's reaping the eternal wars because he invested everything that he had in, in doing what God asked him to do. It's a, it's a great example of what, a modern day example of what Timothy did back then. And seeking the things of Christ is something that you and I should be doing in this room as well. Uh, it might be committing to a ministry in, in a church such as here, or into other ministries outside this church, and then letting nothing stop you from doing it. You know, so often in churches across America, everywhere, you know, people sign up for ministries or they get involved in things, but then the next thing you know is something else becomes more important. I was going to do this on Wednesday night. I was going to do this on Sunday. I was going to do this on whatever church night or whatever church activity, but something else more appealing comes up. And that's, that's not what Timothy would have done. Seeking the things of Christ is saying, I'm putting Jesus first. You know, a lot of times God gets the shaft when he should get the best. Because God came down to this earth to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And all of every being and a part of our being should be living for the Lord as if that's the only thing that really matters. Uh, Seeking the things of Christ might be giving up the dreams that you have for your life. It might be 
the career that uh, you have right now or the career that you're hoping to go into when you graduate. God might have something else that he has in mind for you to do. You know, there's, there's, been, there's been lots of people who have wanted to go this way in their life, and God turns them around and says, I want you to go this way. Some people keep fighting and say, I'm going this way anyway. And some people say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. It might be using the extra funds that you have to help support a missionary or to help somebody with financial struggles instead of using my extra money to buy that toy for myself. Whatever it is, I don't know. God can speak to you in this situation on if you are putting him first or if you need to do that and what does it look like for him for you to see Christ in your own life. Again, it sounds like the exception, right? The, the people who say, I'm seeking Jesus over everything else, but it should be the norm. Timothy gem- demonstrated these qual- two qualities. He was genuine and concerned for each other. And the second thing is he sought the things of Christ. Quality number three, verse 22. But you know his proven character, that as the son of his father, he served with me in the gospel. Timothy had a proven character. His, from the beginning to the end, he was somebody that Paul trusted, somebody that Paul could count on to accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish. I mentioned already in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, that Timothy was spoken well of by the, the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium, two different towns uh, where, where, around where Timothy lived. People spoke highly of him. So from a kid or from a youth, he started making a reputation, which is something we actually all do, whether it's a good reputation or not. From my youth, I have started a reputation uh, of being a certain way. If you, you know, if you go back to Davenport, you could find out what kind of reputation I had. You could find out that as a kid, I threw that pie in church. Not a good reputation. You can find out that as I got older, I, I matured, and I was the, the friendly guy who, who liked to shake people's hands. You can find out the, the dumb things that I did, but we all are working on a reputation. Timothy was known for his faith. Um, when, when Paul was in prison, he stuck it out with him. Uh, when Paul was on missionary travels, Timothy went with them. His name was associated with Paul's letter to, to different churches um, at Thessalonica, Corinth, Colossae, and now Philippi. He became a pastor. Like I said, again, he was put in prison, but he was consistent his whole life through his reputation. He had a proven character that he was going to follow God wherever God took him, whatever that led to. And that's the same kind of thing. We should have a proven character as well. Now I realize that you might say, you know what, my character was this when I was this age. And, I, and it, you know what, I think about the message that we looked at eons ago about the hometown missionary. And where's the hardest place to serve Jesus? It's in your own hometown. Because everybody knows what you were like as that kid, as the high schooler, as, as that employee. Whatever good you did, hopefully they'll remember. But everything you did that you shouldn't do, Everybody remembers that, and it's difficult to be that hometown missionary. It's, it's, it's difficult to say, I have this reputation, but I don't. But not, that's not to say, let's quit. Let's, you know what? That's in the past. Everything I've done in the past, I can't do anything about. But from this point on, I can have a proven reputation. I can, I can be the person that I want everybody to see me as from this point on. I met this kid, uh, his name was Tim Carr at Kokolo Lake Bible Camp, the camp that Noah served at, when he was about eight years old. And I was a Timothy, or I was staff, and I, I watched this kid grow up. And he's, he's about 10 years younger than me, but I watched him as a camper. And as, at camp, they would have the camper of the week. 
And that's where this, the, I don't know how they determined, like this was the most impacting camper, this was the best behaved camper, but he'd be that kind of kid who, who would get the Camper of the Week award. And after being there as a camper, he became staff. And they start out like what Noah was, is a Timothy. That means you wash the dishes three times a day. It feels like never nonstop. You're washing the, the, the tables down. You're cleaning the bathrooms. All you are is grunt work. And if you've done faithful there, you move on to being the cabin leader. You get to run around with the kids through the big event at the end of the week. You're the ones that get to share Christ with them. You're the one there doing all these activities. And, and t- this is what this kid... This guy named Tim Carr did. He was faithful as a camper, as a Timothy, as a cabin leader, and then you move up to something called the program staff. And, and, and he, he became, by the age of 22, he was the guy who was in charge of all the other, of every, all the staff except for the camp director. So when they had a program that they were running, who, how late they stayed up, who the speakers were, everything like that, at 22 or 23 years old, this guy was the one who was in charge of that. Now, He's been a pastor for about four or five years back in Washington. We Skype every once in a while on a Wednesday. And he started as eight years old. How is it that he's like 29? He's been a pastor for about four and a half years. How do you get from there to here? He has a proven track record. He's been faithful with the little things, and it's just keep increasing in responsibility to now he's been a pastor for about four and, four and a half years. And he's a good role model. He's like eight to ten years younger than me, and look at where, what he's accomplished but if he was a knucklehead, if he was a lousy dishwasher, if he didn't care about the campers, if, if he wasn't trustworthy with their program, there's no way he would be where he was at now. But because he was faithful back then, he was, God moved him on to be something greater. And even at this church that he's at, it's, um, I think from the description of it, because I haven't been there, it'd be about like this big, like building-wise, but it's full. And he's a guy who's training the people of his church how to preach. He's got like four or five guys that he meets with. And, and to, just to do that, he just keeps increasing on what God's given him the ability to do and what he's taken advantage of because he has this proven track record. And we need to have a proven track record well. If you, know, if you say, my track record stinks, my reputation is really not that good, forget what's in the past and start moving forward. You can start rebuilding it. You can start repairing it. It just takes time, but you just got to start with today and move that direction. So we have Timothy. He genuinely cared for all the people of Philippi. He, he sought the things of Christ, and he had a, a proven track record. He had a proven character. And the fourth thing was he was a servant of the gospel. He chose, even though he was afraid, he chose to get out there and share Jesus with people. He chose to get out of his comfort zone, even though he was afraid, even though... Uh, I'm sure it was traumatic at first. You know, it was, it was something he really struggled with. He says, okay, I'm going to do this because you've asked me to. He worked alongside Paul. He saw Paul do it. He says, I'm going to put this into practice. We as well need to be a servant of the gospel. We need to get out there and share it as well. You know, there's this guy by the name of Ray Comfort. Anybody ever heard of Ray Comfort? Okay, Leslie has because she's the one who told me about this guy. She listens to him all the time. You can watch on YouTube videos. And if you want to see a guy who gets out of his comfort zone and shares the gospel with people, I would challenge you to watch uh, Ray Comfort as he shares Christ with people. He goes out like to California on a, ba- a busy beach uh, road, and he, sees, he starts passing out money. Hey, anybody know the capital of Florida? Okay, great. Here's five bucks. 
Anybody here knows the president, the 14th president? Okay, here's five bucks. And he starts to kind of get a crowd around himself. And he says, has anybody here ever lied? Yeah, you've lied. Okay, here's five bucks. And then he starts going in. Okay, so uh, he starts to use the gospel that way. And he starts to say, okay, um, you're, you, you've lied. What does that make you? Anybody know? If you've lied, what does that make you? A liar, right? He's, if you've ever stolen, what does that make you? If I've ever used God's name in vain, then I've, I'm a blasphemer. If I have ever looked lustfully at a woman, what's that make me? An adulterer at heart, right? He says, that's what I've been. And he says, that's apparently what you are as well because you have admitted to doing this. That's gutsy. Who here is going to do that? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get on the street and say, you're a liar, blasphemer, adulterer at heart. But he does that, and he gets out there out of his comfort zone, and he starts to point to people that, you know what? We really are wicked. We really are bad. If God was to judge you based off of what you've done, would he let you into heaven? No, because you are not perfect, and you need a Savior. But that's what he does, and he does it really well. Now, if you're going to do that, I'd love to watch it. I hope you YouTube it so that I can watch how that goes. If I ever do it, it won't be YouTube because I'm not into doing that kind of stuff. But if you do... Um, may the Lord bless you is that. Um, what we can do, what's more likely for us to do than to get on the street corner and do that to people, is we can be involved in a ministry, such as Awana, such as VBS, such as Teaching Sunday School. And let me tell you, that is the absolute easiest place to share the gospel with anybody. You have kids. They're not going to be debating you on these tough issues. They're going to accept, okay, I'm a, what's a sin? I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Uh, and I would challenge you, if you have nothing to do with any kind of ministry anywhere, get your hiney here on Wednesday night. See what you can do in order to reach kids for Jesus. It's a great place to do it. Um, that, so there's doing that. There's becoming better friends with people, uh, with your unsafe friends, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with strangers, uh, and try to find a way to work in the gospel. Uh, and I know that's a scary thing to do. I've told you when I uh, was going to Bible school, we had to do this class called personal evangelism, and we had to go talk to strangers, and I remember accosting this guy or attacking this guy at the gas station. I had like five minutes while the boss was fueling up, and I'm out there trying to get my assignment done, right? And it's, you can do that to a stranger, you know, or you can become friends with them. Last night, we uh, went to Pizza Hut in Miles City with um, Leslie's ex-stepmom and her new husband, and we were able to work in the gospel. I didn't, it wasn't like Blunt and bold. It wasn't like odd. It, it just, we just worked in the conversation to say, here's what the gospel is. The guy didn't say, okay, I'm going to pray at Pizza Hut and accept Jesus as my Savior. He didn't do anything with it, but he, was, he heard the gospel. And I know that if we try, we can, we can do that kind of thing. We can work it in, work in the gospel. And if you say, I just am not going to do that, you cannot make me. Okay, you're right, I can't make you. Why don't you try inviting somebody to a situation where they can hear about the gospel? Invite them to the Christmas program, right? Invite them to uh, church. Invite them to a Christmas, or I mean, uh, like a Christian concert where they're going to present it, to a Christian movie. Anything, just make sure that we get the gospel out, that, out to people. And you don't know what to say? Ask God. Please help me to know what to say. The opportunity is not coming. Ask God for the opportunity. Whatever it is, ask God to help you. Now I want to come back to this gospel thing. You know, we all know that if we've lied, it makes us a thief. I mean, a, a liar. If we've stolen, it makes us a, uh, a thief. If we've cheated, it makes us a cheater. If I've hated my brother, it means I've committed adultery in my heart, or I've committed murder in my heart. 
And because I've done all those things, I cannot get to heaven. And if you have done any of those things, you cannot get to heaven. You know, if you say, I've only done one thing and I haven't done all these other things, James 2.10 says, if you've broken one law, you've broken them all. But that's why Jesus came. And I just want to make sure that you understand that you need a Savior. If you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever thought some wicked thing against somebody, it makes you a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. So put your faith in him. Ask him to save you and he'll save you from the punishment that you deserve for your sins. Just a real quick uh, recap. Uh, Paul and Timothy, they worked together a lot during, um, during the ministry. Timothy demonstrated this quality or these qualities of what makes for a good spiritual role model. He was genuinely concerned for the Philippian church. We need to genuinely concern for, have that concern for each other. Genuinely have that concern for the lost, that we're involved, that we're listening to each other, that we are acting like the family of God, right? He was, his, his efforts were to seek the things of Christ. He put Jesus first. Whatever he was doing, he says, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he says, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what we need to do. And I know that involves sacrifice, and I know that's hard, and I know it takes away from what I want to do, but I need to put Jesus first. He had a proven character. Your characters, it is proven, great, keep it up. If it's not what it should be, start today from this day forward. He, he, was, a, uh, he was a servant of the gospel. He was always trying to get out there and share the gospel. And I would challenge you to do that as well. Whatever it takes, work it in to share the gospel with each other or with the, the, the loss around the community that you know that don't know Jesus. These qualities that Timothy demonstrated are qualities that you and I should demonstrate in our life as well. And so I just want to pray. I'm going to ask God to help me to demonstrate these qualities. You know, because some, sometimes I do well with these qualities, but sometimes I don't do so well with these qualities. And so I'm going to ask God to help me to demonstrate these. And, and anybody here that you feel like, you know what, I'd like to do a better job demonstrating these qualities, you know, pray along and say, God, help me demonstrate these qualities as well. We all know uh, it's easy to go after the football player. It's easy to go after the teachers. It's easy to go after my parent as a role model, but make sure that we're looking for these kind of qualities in our life and make sure we're demonstrating them to the best of our ability as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Timothy. I thank you, God, for his example on how he said, I'm going to put you first, how he said, I'm going to share the gospel, how his whole life he was trying to serve you, even though it took him out of his comfort zone, even though he was afraid to do it, he said he's going to serve you. God, I, I struggle in my life to show the, the, the kind of qualities that I want my kids always to watch or that I want to model to, to other people. I'm not always patient. I'm not always gentle. God, I don't always listen well or, or genuinely care about people. And so I just pray that you'd please help me to do a better job because I know people are always watching. God, for anybody in here who needs some kind of help with uh, genuinely showing these godly role model qualities, I just pray that you would help them to do that well. Please, God, help us to, to model you, uh, to model your love and your patience with others, and just to, to recognize uh, just that we fail, but we need your help, and that you will help us to get through that. Again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time, and, and just pray for your help to, to be a good role model this week. I pray in Jesus' name.